We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Hello and welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, Derek Young of K-State Online fame. We're going to talk some football here, a little bit somber. A tremendous season for K-State comes to an end in the Sugar Bowl at the hands of Alabama. And uh, after a 10-0 start, it was all downhill from there for K-State and losing 45-20 to to Bama. Deuce Vaughn pretty shortly after the game opts to uh, declare for the NFL draft. And now K-State looks further into the portal for answers at running back, nose guard, etc. We'll break it all down here on 3Mod today, which of course is brought to you by 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottle and Bond Bourbon, all the uh, spirits you've come to know and love from Holiday Distillery. Shout out to everybody who was buying those as Christmas gifts that we uh, we saw on Twitter. Appreciate you guys for doing that, supporting uh, great K-State folks who support our pod. So make sure you're stocked up with your 360 Vodka and Ben Holiday Bottled in Bond Bourbon. Uh, yeah, Sugar Bowl, look, fun trip. Glad I went to New Orleans. Uh, great experience, kind of a celebration of the season. And to be honest, going into the game, I, I really was just in so much more of like a house money mode than I was the last couple games of the year. You know, I mean, I was so high strung for Kansas and then the Big 12 championship game. Uh, knowing what was on the line there. I did have this attitude of like, hey, whatever happens that is positive here is great. That's gravy. Um, it, yes, it is a little disappointing to see it get away the way that it did from from K-State, especially when I don't think it really had to. Um, but, hey, you, you lined up against Bama. Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick in the draft. He was great and made just some insane throws in that game that you kind of just have to tip your cap and – Realize uh, that's that's what Bama can do, especially with a, a long time to prepare and uh, and getting a full roster back. So I, that's kind of where I'm at on the the Bama game coming out of it right now. Yeah, to me, I approached it like a house money situation for Kansas State as well. Nothing that was that happened or that might happen going into it was going to diminish what I thought about this season for Kansas State. I thought that they already accomplished what they needed to accomplish considering the roster that they had assembled and, and kind of put together for this, for this run. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we wouldn't have said, you gotta, you gotta go to the sugar bowl and beat Bama. That wasn't something, wasn't a bar that they had to clear. Um, obviously you'd like it to be 
more competitive than not. I understand that, but uh, it just doesn't diminish what I felt. Uh, that game doesn't diminish what I felt about that season. Um, if anything, there was there were still some really good takeaways. I thought. I mean, the Deuce Vaughn run, regardless if it's in a loss, forty-five to twenty in the Sugar Bowl. Deuce Vaughn's eighty-eight yard touchdown run against Alabama is something that. I think you can kind of etch into stone and, and remember because that was, you know, kind of a big big deal for him, big deal for the program to kind of be on that stage and to have that moment, even if it was erased pretty quickly afterwards. And, and it's going to maybe sound like a sore loser. I'm not trying to be. Um, I credit Alabama. They went out there and did it. But at the end of the day, I think if they make that fourth and goal at the two and go up 17-14 with about a minute left, I think that game remains competitive for the full 60. Yeah, overall, I mean, it doesn't change anything for me on the season. Kansas State's Big 12 champs, you always say flags fly forever. And this was an incredible season. And I'm, I'm just tremendously grateful and appreciative of everything that the guys in this program, the players, the coaches, the support staff, equipment staff, from everyone on down did to, to elevate this football program and get them to this stage. So, uh, you know, it, it it stinks that they lost in the fashion that they did. Uh, you know, I, when you lose like that, you don't feel quite the same pain because it doesn't feel like, you know, you can kind of check out in the second half, right? Like I'd emotionally checked out, you know, heartbreaking losses late in games, they, they tend to hurt more. But, you know, when you rewatch that game and when you look back at that game, like D.Y. just said, I think this is a competitive game from start to finish if K-State gets a touchdown in the last minute of the first half. They were two yards away from making this a very competitive game. And if you actually look at K-State's drives in the first half, K-State had four drives that probably should have resulted in points. They had five drives overall, only one where they punted. Uh, they got to the Alabama 39 on the first drive of the game, and they were rolling. And it was first and 10. And you know, Will Will made a, a poor decision and threw the ball downfield to Deuce, and it was picked off by battle for Alabama. But that's a drive they could have gotten points on, and then they settled for a field goal when they were at the Alabama 23, and they ended up getting the touchdown on the 88-yard run, and then they went, turned it over on downs on the, the last drive of the half, what was an 18-play drive, which was the perfect drive, you know, that absorbed 10 minutes o'clock. And if it could have resulted in a touchdown – uh, you know, that's one of those drives. You think back to Washington in the Holiday Bowl in 1999, not the same stage, but 20-play drive to, to seal that game against the Huskies that K-State had. You know, that that's kind of what that drive felt like. And unfortunately, uh, things didn't work out, and it kind of snowballed from there. But I, I really do think if K-State gets a touchdown there, this is a game from start to finish. And I know those missed expectations is why Kleiman then made the decisions afterwards that he did to respond to them. I get, I mean, and I know we're probably going to touch on it. I just, I, I have a hard time criticizing some of those just because I think he knew he had to steal possessions once they missed out on those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not even still convinced that it's a competitive game all the way through. If they get the touchdown to go up 17, 14, I think then it, it pro it's probably competitive through the third quarter. I still it just felt like Bryce Young was he was doing too much. Uh, that that Bama was still probably going to win that game by a couple of scores, but it certainly would have looked a lot better, felt a lot better, been more competitive. I mean, we saw the the number come out afterwards that nine million people uh, watched the Sugar Bowl. You know, could have held a, an audience for a little bit longer. Uh, I guess the the competition was still Kentucky and Iowa, so I don't know if people were really uh, tuning in eagerly to go watch their eyes bleed in in that game, but. 
you know, point taken, it would have been huge. It would have been huge because not only are you scoring there, but then you're not immediately having the, the thing with the, the timeout called by Kleiman and kind of daring Bama uh, to really try to move the ball offensively. They did. So it was a huge, I mean, a 14-point swing there at the end of the half. That, that was monstrous. Um, the onside kick thing, I, I, I'm okay with that. Like, I get it. Um, I understand, again, trying to steal possessions and that sort of thing. I'm still not crazy about the timeout uh, call at the end of the half. I just, we've seen that. I don't, has that, climate's done that a bunch of times and I don't, maybe it's worked once. I don't know. And I feel like we've seen, we see it with Andy Reid and the Chiefs sometimes. So maybe it's just, I'm, I'm a little too close to it and scarred by some past experiences there, but um, especially Bama, I would have just thought, man, your offense is moving the ball, but it's not at a total blistering pace. I wouldn't have had enough confidence that you're going to get points out of that to really justify the risk of taking the timeout. That was the only one I didn't like. But overall, and I said this at the time during the game, if it comes with climbing going in with a screw it kind of attitude and being really aggressive overall, then I'm, I'm not really going to complain. Because yeah. that, that, was, that was one of the criticisms we had of him early on. In yeah. games like Baylor and Oklahoma State, like that first year in 2019, that he was just way too conservative and playing to try and keep the score close. And uh, so I'm glad he abandoned that, especially in this in this sort of scenario. So yeah, I'm not I'm not going to pound him for it. That was just that was the one decision that I I really didn't love. Yeah, hindsight's 2020 um, for the timeout. I will say I I think if you, that works, you get a three and out, you have a chance to score because you're going to get the ball back with about 50 seconds left in midfield. I mean, Bama was inside their own 10-yard line. So uh, just field position-wise, you have a chance to get at least three there if it does work. And hindsight's 20-20. I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, he said, you know, after the game, they're worried about explosive plays. You're kind of daring Bama to get an explosive play there by taking that timeout. Um, but in, in his defense, I mean, I understand the need or the, the feeling of it being to necessitate stealing possessions after, like Cole said, you, you throw an interception on the Alabama side of the field. You have to settle for a field goal. You missed a fourth and goal at the two. You're like, well, you know, we just lost three possessions right there. We have to find a way to steal a couple. We have Bama pinned inside their own five-yard line with a little over a minute left. That's a chance to steal a possession. So I still understand the rationale, even if it did not work. I probably wouldn't have done it, but I can understand it. In the second half, coming out with an onside kick, yes, it Takes you out of the game right away. But uh, I have a little secret for everyone. Alabama's probably going to score regardless of where they receive that kick. Things were humming for them at that point. You know, I the timeout thing, I get the criticism for it. And, you know, I question it as well. But I've also questioned times in Chris Kleiman's coaching career at K-State where he didn't use a timeout in that situation, right? Yeah. And so I would be hypocritical if I were to, you know, all out go after that decision. It didn't work out. It, it burnt K-State. And – but, you know, I, I do respect being aggressive, not trying to play for a moral victory, lose the game by 10, 14 points, but to go all out to get a win against a very talented Alabama team. And uh, so I have respect for that. Uh, you know, John, you mentioned Andy Reid. I feel like it's burnt the Chiefs like five times in that situation over the last three or four years when they do it. They did it to the Patriots um, a couple different times and in, in the playoffs. And they also did it uh, just, just last year to Josh Allen in Buffalo when they were pinned inside their own five. And so I, I've seen that happen a lot. And, you know, you get that first down stop, second and eight, second and nine. And, and then, unfortunately, K-State took a couple bad angles and let that explosive run occur. And that's what got Alabama to go aggressive um, 
there at the the end of the half and and that backfired but yeah i yeah i i want to go back to the uh the fourth and goal play call guys it, one of the things that surprised me so they played adrian martinez four or five snaps um late in the first quarter early in the second half third and goal from the two yard line uh, why, why don't you go adrian martinez there I mean, what are, what are your guys' thoughts? So that seems like the one situation where you do bring him in the game, and I, I was surprised they didn't do it. Yeah, I thought uh, maybe going they, – they liked that jumbo package. I think they were working plays off of one another there. I think there was plays setting up the following play. So probably why they didn't go that route like you, I would have tried that. I think that – I mean, Alabama was a – pretty stiff there at the line of scrimmage. I think the, and I think they were also, it was, yeah, they were making plays off of one another. I think the third down play was a product of the first down play. I think the fourth down play was a product of the second down play. They were trying to catch Alabama because they knew how tough it was going to be to just smash it in there. Mono we mano against that front. And it, it was understandable. Even the fourth down play, um, maybe not the highest percentage. There's probably not a high percentage play against Alabama in that situation. To be quite frank, they, they trusted Ben Sinnott to make a make a play, and uh, it was a back shoulder throw. It's a touchdown play that they've ran three times this year to success. So I understand going back to the well. We always say, well, why don't why don't you go use what got you there? They did on that fourth down play. I mean, that's a similar play to that scored against TCU on the road in a loss, I believe. So um, just from a farther distance out, that one was. But uh, and Sinnott did make a play. He got he got loose from his guy and Will Howard. Um, had trust in him to do it too. He just didn't put the didn't put the ball on him, and the timing was a little misconstrued there because Bama probably did get away with a little bit of a hold. Yeah, the the stumble. Uh, who who was it defending? Was it Anderson that was defending? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Anderson. See, he had it. I thought he had it covered up mostly, and then he fell. But when he fell, Anderson, that is, Will Howard was already in the motion of releasing the ball, right. and so. I, I just – I didn't like the fourth down call uh, yeah, because it's a one-man route. Yeah, but I do think you love that matchup when you have Willie Anderson in coverage versus your best receiving option. That's like yeah. – I, I actually – I can live with it because, like, Senate has just been so damn yeah. good. And, like – Done that all year. Yep. In the red zone. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. I get why they went to that. Now, if you want to go back to what Cole said and, like, hey, start the, the sequence over with Adrian Martinez there once you got that close, totally down with that too. Uh, completely understand that. Um, they've been pretty good. You know, I think back to like the – they've had some of the, these plays um, down toward the goal line. Malik Knowles, like against Kansas. Uh, they had the play at the end of the first half against Oklahoma State, you know, just the little route out to Deuce where he makes an incredible catch. Like they've, they've had some decent luck there in those spots. So I don't I, – I, again, I can live with it. I can live yeah. with it. I, I guess it, it, we talk about Will Anderson falling down. He certainly did. But, but that's also why you attack him in coverage, right? Because – that he, he fell down because he's not known to be good in coverage. The play worked the way that they thought it would work. Right. Yeah. Game of I, I, game of inches kind of thing, man. I mean, just if Will Howard waits another split second to throw that ball, it's just the easiest touchdown he's thrown all year. So, man. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, yeah you, you could go that way with it. I, I just think uh, Alabama knew K-State wasn't going to run the ball from the two-yard line, and they line up in the jumbo package after they just got stuffed on the power toss. So, I don't necessarily understand keeping nine, 10 guys into block and only running one route. And if it's Adrian in that play, Adrian can probably run that ball in or throw it, you know, because yeah, you got one-on-one. Right. On one and, and so that's. Right. Yeah. But if you go jumbo and go one-on-one -on -one with one route, like you said, 
you make it 100% possible that you're going to get one-on-one coverage. That's what they wanted, one-on-one coverage with Ben Simmons. That's the way they did it because they knew they could get one-on-one coverage on the outside if they ran it that way. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Let me point out, I was going to single out one other really big play from the game. And it's one that I, I admittedly, I, I have not gone back and watched any of this. I was I was there at the game um, and, and got pretty checked out pretty fast uh, when, when Bama started really putting it on K-State. Now, this was earlier in the game when you're still really locked in and engaged. But if we're going to point out, I mean, I'm looking at this and seeing the, the timestamp on it, and I'm like, damn, man. I mean, that first quarter, it is 10 to nothing. K-State has Alabama third and 10 at their own 31 with a minute 50 left in the first. Like, I mean, that was – I felt like on top of the world at that point. And, and you need a – you're looking for another stop there. They've done nothing offensively at all. And Bryce Young got that dump off to, to Jameer Gibbs where he makes some guys miss. And you see, obviously, his talent. It goes for 60 yards and uh, completely shifted where that game was headed. But that's another one of those plays that I – if I am going to have some regrets about this game and think back to it, look, Bama's going to do that. They're going to hit some explosive plays. You knew it was just a matter of time. But it seemed like Bama was kind of sleepwalking. And, D.Y., I know you mentioned, like, going into the game, talking to their players. It just didn't seem like they had much – I don't know if, like, interest is the right word, but they didn't see K-State as anything particularly special or unique or anything like that. And I was like, they're sleepwalking here through the first quarter – that was the play that kind of gave them a jolt and uh, and, and woke them up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think that was a product of missed tackles, too. Jameer Gibbs got loose. It was a broken play. It was just Bryce Young improvising, too. I don't think it was necessarily designed in the way that it unfolded, if I remember correctly. It kind of – it was after the catch, so it wasn't a pick play, but you almost got like a little bit of a pick play because I right. just happened to be in the right – spot at the right time to get in a way of a Kansas State defender that was chasing Jameer Gibbs across the field. So it was, I think, a product of bad tackles, bad luck, and and Bryce Young doing what he does to extend plays and improvise. 
Yeah, it was a. Uh, I rewatched the game, uh, rewatched the first half, and uh, that was a play that stuck out live when it happened, and a play that stuck out of my memory after the fact because who knows where that game goes if K State gets a stop there. They get a three and out on the first Bama drive of the game. They force a punt after six plays on the second drive. They're up ten to nothing, and they almost had another three and out. That was the third play of that drive. They're sitting in a third and ten. K State just made a very physical tackle on the running back McClellan to put it at third and ten. And Robert Hintz is right there for a sack. And Bryce Young steps up in the pocket and he's drilled by Daniel Green uh, right as he releases the ball and hits Skibbs. And then, as DY said, it worked out as kind of a pick play after the catch because Julius Brantz, Austin Moore were crossing each other at that time and they, they bust an explosive and then they get a touchdown. I mean, you had him in third and goal at the six, um, only rush three, you're in a zone coverage and, you know, then you give up the touchdown. I was thinking if you can hold him to a field goal, that would be big as well. But yeah, that third and 10 play was huge because K-State had an opportunity to get the ball back again, once again, on another three and out, three straight Alabama punts, if that occurs, and K-State could go up 17 to nothing. You know, <laughs> then you start to wonder how, how locked in is Alabama at that point? Do they, do they fold it up a little bit, check out? Or I, I felt like Alabama started to feel themselves after that um, explosive play, and that's what got the momentum swinging the other direction. Yeah, I think I think it woke him up, man. I think it woke him up. I one last question I'll raise on the actual Alabama game itself. Is there an element, and you know, I mean, I'm we're we're looking for positive spins here. I, I do think that there is a a positive element to just being able to play this game and see what it is like playing the best of the best, right? I mean, you have TCU right now about to go do the same thing in the national championship game by playing Georgia. Uh, I would suggest to you that while I don't advocate for Bama being in the playoff uh, because you got to win games, they lost two games, uh, but them playing locked in, I, I would profess that they're the second best team in America next to Georgia, uh, certainly one of the top two. But just being able to go tee it up against them, see what it's like, see the depth of athlete and quality of depth of athlete that they have across the board and uh, how little room their air room for air there is when you're playing them, I think can be beneficial for this team moving forward to know like, Hey, that's what it looks at the the highest of high levels. And as great as this season was and, and running through the big 12 and winning the league championship, um, that's a, that's the kind of thing that can be really beneficial. And I think it's, it is more so than what you think of with the typical bowl game. You know I mean? K-State has played Ohio state. They played Oregon. They played a really good Arkansas team at one point in bowl games. But to me, it's a, this Bama team is just a, a level above the gold standard, um, just to have the opportunity to do that and get a taste of what it's like, I think can can pay some dividends for these guys moving forward. I would agree. I think there's something to be said about being able to observe it in person to kind of measure up yourself against that caliber of opponent and see how much further there is to go to, you know, essentially be where you want to be. It's like, I mean, well, I thought, like, I'm not saying this is what it was. It probably wasn't. But it's like one of those things, I mean, I thought we were really good. And then I saw Alabama and I was like, there's, you know, these extra steps on the ladder that still need to be taken for us to even, you know, maybe dream of being on that stage and, and playing the full 60, you know, in a national playoff game. Right. So I think there is something to be said, something to be gleaned uh, about not just seeing it on TV, but seeing it in person and realizing how much further you have to go. At the same time, I mean, I, I think Alabama, when they're locked in, they're, they're a playoff team. They're, they're maybe one of the best two teams in America. I, at the same time, I, I watched TCU play Michigan a little bit, and I think 
K-State could have beat Michigan. You know, we talked about it last a couple weeks ago. Like, that's a matchup I would have loved for K-State. They, they can beat big-name teams. I mean, they TCU is a team that K-State should have beat twice this year. Right. And TCU goes and beats Michigan. So K-State can compete with that upper echelon. It's just a matchup problem, right, when you get Bryce Young on that team. Yeah, I would say can't uh, no because I don't even think Michigan is on the same level as Alabama, Georgia. I think that's just different. Yeah, I, see, I agree. I, I think I, you guys know I've been you know I was yelling at Jed. Michigan's a fraud all year. Um, you know they just happened to run into a bigger fraud in Ohio. Dy's Buckeyes. Um, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, Ohio State's ceiling is up there with Alabama and Georgia, but they don't have the same level of consistency. That's why they keep losing Michigan. So yeah, as I, I do, I do think there is. There's a different – I hate – you know, makes you, like, want to vomit admitting it, but, like, it's true. I mean, these these SEC, the the 2019 LSU, Georgia every year, Bama every year, um, these teams at the top of the SEC, like, it, it is it is a different level. And I, that's what I – I mean, I fear – look, I'm going to be rooting like hell for TCU in the national championship game. I hope they win it, but it I, – I, I am not very optimistic because I do think Georgia is a Michigan, but three levels – you know – uh, let me go back to a Pokemon reference for you here. You know, if you have like the the middle evolution of a team, that's Michigan. The the upper evolution, you're going from like Charmander to Charizard here with uh, with Georgia and what they actually are. Yeah, you saw it last year. I mean, and Michigan got their doors blown off them when they played Georgia. I fear that's what's about to happen with TCU. I mean, Kansas State and TCU can beat everybody in the country but probably Alabama and Georgia when they are at their best. Maybe they won't be, um, obviously. I mean, there's a reason why Alabama lost to LSU this year. I, I still, you know, after seeing Alabama in person, I'm wondering how the heck that happened, right? So um, they also lost to Tennessee. But, I, you know, Tennessee with Hendon Hooker is probably on that level, um, yes. I, I, I would argue. So, yeah, I think Kansas State can beat any team in the country that isn't Alabama and that is in Georgia. I think they can beat Ohio State because Ohio State plays down a level way too much. They can beat Michigan because Michigan is not as special as people think. Um, they can beat Tennessee because they don't have Hendon Hooker, right? So um, there's just two teams, and it's Bama and Georgia and me that Kansas State can't beat. Yep. No, I, I completely agree with that, guys. Uh, John, you mind if I uh, give you one minute's worth of numbers that I pulled together from the actual Sugar Bowl, and then we'll move on from this game? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so uh, you know Bryce Young, fifteen and twenty-one, fifteen and twenty-one for three hundred twenty-one yards, five TDs, no interceptions. He averaged fifteen point three yards per pass. That's a career high for Bryce Young. He's never put together that type of performance. His he had the highest passer rating of his career, most yards per pass attempt in his career. Like I just mentioned, K State ranked sixteenth in the country and was number one in the Big Twelve in pass efficiency defense going into the Alabama game. Uh, with a pass efficiency rating of 119 on the season, they gave up a 266 passer rating against Bama, and it actually dropped K-State 30 spots in the national rankings in pass efficiency defense with just that one game alone. Uh, K-State was 30th in the country in yards per pass allowed at 6.6 on the season. Obviously, I just mentioned Young threw for 15.3 yards per pass attempt in that game. That dropped K-State 20 spots in the national rankings for yards per pass attempt allowed. Um you know, seven explosive plays or 20 or more yards for Bama. Six of them came via the pass. Nine yards per play for Alabama. That was the most allowed by K-State in a game this season. The most that they had previously allowed in a game was seven and a half yards per play against Oklahoma. And then, you know, you look at the, you know, the second half 
of that game. K-State really struggled when they started playing from behind five of the first six drives in the second half. K-State only uh, went for seven yards or less. uh, So they weren't getting any first downs. And over those first six drives of the second half, K-State ran 25 plays for 71 yards, just 2.8 yards per play. Uh, So they they really struggled. And I I thought one of the big issues for K-State guys is second and third and longs. Uh, K-State had 13 third downs where they needed eight or more yards in the game. And so you let Alabama just pin their ears back. Now, a couple of those third downs don't actually show up in the box score because Alabama committed penalties on them, so they got to replay the down. But K-State was in situations 13 times where they needed eight or more yards on third down, and they had 12 second down plays where they needed 10 yards or more. So the success rate early on, first, second down, too many negative plays – in that game. And I thought that allowed Alabama to really pin their ears back and pressure Will Howard and K-State's offense and uh, couldn't really get the running game going outside of that 88 yard touchdown run by Deuce. All right, we'll head to a break, uh, come back. And speaking of Deuce, uh, he has decided to go to the NFL draft. Certainly cannot blame him at all. I think that is the right decision for him, but uh, it is, it is, it is a painful one for us K-State fans. We'll reconcile it all coming up next to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, back here on 3Mod, John Kurtz, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, all with you. Deuce Vaughn is uh, headed to the NFL draft, made that decision uh, pretty quickly in the aftermath of of the Sugar Bowl. And I, I don't think it's... It's really that surprising. I think early on, after the Big 12 championship game, there's some optimism that creeps up. You know, everybody was in the – just kind of riding the high of that, and, and there was a little bit more talk like, hey, maybe there's a chance here. But, man, especially you watch Deuce in that game pop off the big run against Alabama and just relate. Like, he's he's ready, man. He, he is, He's more than ready for the NFL. He's so damn good. Um, and and the, the reality of the situation for a running back right now – he, he's not going to get bigger, right, which would be the one thing that would improve his stock. He's not going to get taller. Um, that, that would maybe improve his stock a little bit. Running backs aren't exactly like typically shooting up draft boards anyway, and they have a short shelf life. If you look at guys in the NFL, shelf life's getting pretty darn short for a running back. So taking another year of hits at the, at the college level without making NFL money, I mean, I'm sure K-State could get him a lot of NIL money, but not to the extent that he would make in the NFL. I mean, the, the decision to me becomes – Pretty clear there, even if Deuce is a guy who would have enjoyed uh, another year of college. So wish him nothing but the best, uh, an absolute legend. We can talk about his place in K-State history, too. But uh, first and foremost, I think I think it was the, the correct decision, no doubt, for, for Deuce to make there. I, when it comes to these stuff, I think the only correct decisions are the ones you want to do. If you want to do it, I think it's correct. I mean, business-wise, there's probably a, a right answer and a wrong answer, but just for a person themselves, I mean, if these wanted to come back and chose to come back, I think that's correct. That's what he ultimately wanted to do. I think there was, uh, you know, just kind of hearing the how that process came about over the last month or two, I think there was real desire on his end 
or interest, I should say, on his end to 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 you know run it back. I think he likes playing for Kansas State that much that it became uh, that an obvious decision became a difficult one for him. It, it should have been easy because going to the NFL is a pretty easy decision given his situation and circumstances, but it became difficult because he was torn a little bit, I think, um, and wanted to you know, thought about returning because he loves Kansas State, loves his teammates and loves his coaches, and, and that's something that he's really going to miss. So I think that's what made it difficult. In, in the end, you know, I probably talked about four, almost 40 people about it, right? And there was probably close to 30, 35 mentioning a, a real possibility that he returns. But, you know, my best two or three were just all along – approached it as a foregone conclusion that he would be exiting for the NFL draft. That's ultimately what happened. I think he's going to have a great NFL career. I could see him playing 10 plus years in the NFL and, and some sort of role, even if it isn't a primary one and being just uh, everything that an NFL team would love to have. Yeah. I mean, selfishly, I would love to have Deuce back for one more year um, because when, when he announced it, it kind of hit me with reality I think I, I really expected it to come based off what you had heard, D.Y., but the reality really sunk in that night on Monday night when the official announcement came out and I came to the realization that I would no longer get to watch Deuce Vaughn on Saturday's play for Kansas State, and he's the the ultimate perfect representation of Kansas State. Anybody would want a Deuce Vaughn on their team, not just because he's a tremendous player, but because of how he represents himself off the field and carries himself charismatic, tremendous leader, great teammate, as selfless as he could be. Um, I'm just going to miss him a lot um, just from all the different aspects and, and what he does on Saturdays as well. So it's a blow, um, but uh, one that I think is probably the right decision uh, for him. He's not going to get any bigger and there's only so many hits that, that he can take on his body and look in the NFL you know, the players are bigger and stronger, right? But they're pro- he's not going to be getting 25, 30 hits on his body a game. It's going to be probably more of a role where he's getting seven to 10 touches a game, depending on what team he goes to and what situation. I, myself, being a Chiefs fan, am, am really hoping the Chiefs grab him in the fourth or fifth round. I would love Deuce Vaughn with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and also just be able to watch him every every Sunday as well, having him on TV. So, I hope that's what happens. I hope Deuce has a tremendous NFL career, and, and I'm certain that he will, just given his work ethic and his talent. Um, he, he, an NFL team is going to be very lucky to have him. Well, it was, it was really entertaining <clears throat> going and reading all the replies and quote tweets to his response because you can just tell how respected he was across the league by the responses to it, especially Oklahoma fans. I mean, the, the Oklahoma fans were cracking me up with just the, the gifts of like, thank God, like it's about time that this guy uh, stops torturing us, but um, just had a tremendous amount of respect across the league. And I think, man, I don't know. It's a pretty short list. If you're talking about guys who have been more important to, to K-State football over the years, because I mean, the obvious, I mean, Bill Snyder is, is obvious. And then, you know, in, in Snyder 1.0, you can point to a number of different guys that really helped get it jump started and up and rolling in the first place. But, you know, to really elevate the program to the next level, Michael Bishop is, is one of those guys that, that stands alone as somebody really elevated. Snyder 2.0, obviously Colin Klein, somebody who really elevated and helped take it to the next level. But if we're talking about now the Chris Kleiman era and proving that somebody other than Bill Snyder can win big at K-State and win a Big 12 championship, I mean, it's Deuce Vaughn that, that sets the tone for that, for everything that you just said, not just the phenomenal talent that he was on the field, but everything he meant to 
the locker room and how big of a deal was culture in getting things turned around after 2020 with, with what went down there and how quickly they were able to turn it around. That does not happen without a guy like Deuce Vaughn leading the charge by example, vocally, all those things uh, with what he was able to do. So I, you know, in terms of just significance, the importance to the program all time. I mean, he is, he is up there. I don't know that I can put a specific number on it, but he is, he is in that conversation as, as one of the most important ever. I, I know that there's a ring of honor and, and he will surely be on it. Um, the first time that he is, that they decide to expand that thing. Um, but then there's probably another level, like you're talking about, just like the legends at the legends, um, like five or six guys. I think Deuce Vaughn's in that, in that group. Now, I think you put Deuce Vaughn there with Colin Klein, with Michael Bishop, probably Darren Sproles, like just the faces of Kansas state football in the last 30 years. Deuce Vaughn's one of the five. Yeah, I think he's the face of this era, of the Chris Kleiman era, right? And the guy that led the resurgence after Bill Snyder um, in such a critical time for this football program to show that another coach could win at Kansas State. And Deuce Vaughn was the leader uh, of this run uh, over the last few years to lead to the culmination of a Big 12 championship. And so, yeah, he's going to go down that lore. My, my only regret is he doesn't get that big senior day moment. Um with the crowd, but I am hoping that maybe between NFL workouts and everything, they can get the team into Bramlage for a halftime presentation or get Deuce out there in front of the fans in a packed house on a Saturday in Bramlage Coliseum for a basketball game this spring or winter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, so glad that we, we got the opportunity to watch Deuce Vaughn for three years. You feel cheated a little bit because of the COVID season, right guys? I mean, only 10,000 people could be in the in the stands um, that season, and that was his freshman year. And also just the the circumstances of how that season was, didn't play as many games, wish, wish could have watched him more, but uh, what a huge impact he left on K-State. Yeah, I will, I will, I will still, t- I'll take the time that we got with him, man, and, and be, uh, be thrilled with it, no doubt, uh, with everything that he did. So appreciate Deuce Vaughn, man, sincerely. Uh, and I think another part of this too is I fully expect like DY that he will have a very good NFL career and continue to be relevant. And I think that that helps elevate, you know, your lore too. Um, because clearly it did with a guy like like Darren Sproles in the career that he had uh in the NFL. I guess to to close out the conversation here now, you know, K State was flirting with some running backs in the transfer portal before knowing this. Now I would imagine those conversations really start to heat up. Um, we know K-State's been after a nose guard, which can be tough to find in, in the portal. Where do things stand right now, D.Y., just in, in general in terms of portal recruiting for K-State and uh, names to watch out for, positions to watch out for, et cetera? Yeah, certainly nose guard and running back are at the top of the list. Even no, nose guard might even be number one. Um, running back, you, you need one, but maybe it's not as – I mean, they're going to get one. But maybe it's not as pressing as nose guard just because, you, need, you know, you got Joe Jackson coming in. You know you still got D.J. Giddens. So you still got people that you can rely on. Um, they really need a jolt and nose guard. Uh, I think, uh, and, you know, just names, I will say, just uh, keep an eye on would be Lawrence Johnson, the nose guard at Purdue. He's had a really good career in West Lafayette. He entered the transfer portal. I think Louisville is going to be quite a player for him. And, and, and I don't know that's going to go K-State's way, but they're going to try. Uh, the DTAC or the nose guard out of Utah Tech, and I didn't know Utah Tech existed until now either for those listening. But his name's Justin Kirkland, and he's actually pretty sought after right now. But it appears to be a two-team race in my eyes between Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Uh, the Pokes have done really good in the transfer portal. I've already had him on campus. The fact that he's that was before 
the 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 yeah the dead period. So that that's been kind of a dormant recruitment for the last two weeks. You didn't just go in and commit to the Pokes. So you like you like that. So maybe he's just waiting to visit to Kansas State and, and is in Manhattan this, this weekend. We'll see. I think there's some rumblings about that. So Justin Kirkland of Utah Tech was. It's probably one to keep an eye on. And running back, um, you know, obviously some have already slipped through their fingers, like Sean Tyler from Western Michigan. I think he picked Oklahoma State. Uh, Sean Dollars, um, Harrison Whaley, some guys that they they really uh, pursued, or but Whaley they probably backed off of there at the end. Uh, I think the running back names to watch out for, maybe Naquan Wright at Florida, Treshawn Ward at Florida State. Those two just entered the transfer portal recently. Probably going to be hard to get. Um, but you got something to sell a little bit more juice there at the running back position when you can say, look what we just did with Deuce Vaughn, and, and maybe that moves the needle for some guys that otherwise wouldn't be available to them. Uh, the Montana State running back, he's the all-time lead rusher at Montana State. It's an FCS program that's had some success. His name's Isaiah Ifonse, I believe. He's got over 3,000 career rushing yards, I think over 25 touchdowns. Uh, that's probably another name to keep an eye on. Cole, any any final thoughts on the transfers here, where the roster's at? I mean, I, I think they need a DN too, right, DY, uh, in the portal. Yeah, but maybe I mean, that they just don't seem as aggressive in that department yet. They seem like they're just poking around. Yeah, I, I think I have some concerns around the pass rush uh, with Felix in all likelihood leaving and uh you know you hope nate matlack makes the jump next year i thought he was going to make the jump this year we know he was banged up early in the year but uh you had two bad wheels yeah 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 but uh you know unfortunately he didn't have the season that i think we had hoped for he'll have to make a jump brendan mott was solid but i think you need a you need another edge rusher um so hopefully they can land that the, the problem is as you guys know that's very hard to land in the portal nose tackle and dns that can really rush the passer because they're such coveted positions I'm confident that they'll get a, a talented running back that'll want to come in and play in this system and play with Will Howard um, and this offensive line and the way that they run the football coming off the heels of what Deuce Vaughn's done. So I think they'll land a talented back. And uh, what what can is this weekend, the last weekend you can take visits is transfers, D.Y.? Uh, like, uh, what does this work? Yeah, probably, although – Maybe in the next two weeks, I'd have to look at it. I, I think it opens up on January 4th, which is the day that we're um, recording this. So it, that's interesting. Um, look, I mean, I don't know that there's a an, another dead period coming up, so to speak, that they can't. But, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to want to be on campus pretty soon. So that's probably what they're working up against the most. Yep. So. Yeah, because January 17th is the first day of the, the winter oh. semester, right, spring semester. And – uh, so you got less than two weeks now. And I mean, I know these guys can enroll sometimes like a week or two later too. Um, but most of these guys you're going to want in for spring ball. So decisions, uh, it sounds like we'll probably in the next week, hopefully have some, uh, some new transfers committing to Kansas state. And, uh, and they'll want a safety too. I didn't mention that they want another safety. That's why they Oklahoma state transfer Thomas Harper. He was, uh, he visited Kansas state before the dead period. I think he's got some SEC schools on him as well, but that's another possibility. Would love that. Would be very excited about him. Uh, but, yeah, lots to shake out here. I mean, this is the the world we're in, the era we're in. Lots still coming with the transfer portal, and then obviously uh, more that can happen in the spring with that too. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date on everything going on with, uh, with K-State's roster here 
moving forward. But uh, looks like we're going to have an exciting basketball season to transition to. Life is uh, is pretty good as a Cat fan these days. No doubt about that. All right, appreciate Holiday Distillery as always helping bring you the pod. Uh, Jed Marshall for producing this thing. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another Three Ma. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.